Okay, so let us hear uh, some scripture. Uh, today it's one verse, very, very simple, kind of like last week. This comes from the eighth chapter of John, very uh, theological heavy book. It's the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or the fourth book in the New Testament, uh, if you need help finding that. Uh, this is from the New International Version, and it goes like this. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so now uh, I think we're going to invite Jonathan on and uh, Carly back. Hello, Jonathan. How is it going over there in the tech world? Oh, just mastering these board ops over here. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing that. It's like a boss. You're just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, it's uh, good to be able to gather together with everyone and um, love seeing some of the chats going on. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Who is God? And that's a question that probably everyone gathered here um, when asked that question, who is God? We would all have some sort of answer. Uh, maybe our answers would be spot on. Maybe our answers would be far from other answers, maybe uh, they would be unique and original, or maybe they'd be something that we have been taught at some point in our lives to think about God. But really, no matter where we are in our journey with understanding who is God, uh, it's important for us, I think, to learn how to trust God more. And so no matter how much you trust God right now in this moment, um, our hopes are that each time we have conversations about who God is, that by the end of the conversation, we would trust him more, right? And that used to be, when I, back when I was a teenager, um, that was always a measure for me of discipleship as teenagers would ask, would, uh, encourage them to try and love Jesus more each day, right? Sometimes we make it complicated, um, but at the end of the day, uh, sometimes it's uh, pretty simple. So learning to trust God more. And what we're doing is looking at um, these I am statements that Jesus made, which um, come from the Gospel of John uh, in the New Testament. Um, but Jesus is stating uh, a phrase that God used to name himself. Uh, when he was sending Moses, he said, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And God says, tell them. I am sent you. That's where we get the um, name for God, Yahweh, in the Old Testament. So Jesus says, I am, last week, the bread of life, and this week, I am the light of the world. So uh, before we get too deep into the discussion, we are going to have a lightning round of some questions um, that Jeremy and Carly are going to answer to tell us the first thing that pops into their mind. Um, some of these are like Bible trivia. Some of them are just kind of silly. All of them help shape our conversation one way or another. So you can try to figure out where we're going just by these questions in the lightning round. You guys ready? Yes. Yeah, I went first last time, so Carly gets to answer first this time. Okay, and then we'll alternate, and yeah. the person with the most 
correct answers uh, gets ice cream on me at the Frutilla. Actually, I'm going to just say you can uh, put your guess in the chat. And I have an advantage because I know the questions. I'm going to say that you will only, each of you will only get one question right. Oh my gosh. So if you can get more than one question right, then you get uh, chili mango ice cream on me. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. So question number one, how many chapters are there in the Bible? Oh, 66. How many, how many chapters? Oh. Good job on books, though. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 1,048. Oh, that is actually pretty close. But mm. there is 1,189. Oh, so uh, there are 929 in the Old Testament and 260 in the New Testament. So, <laughs> I was so yeah. close. You were pretty close, and I, and and you were so assured of your answer. Uh, I was so excited. <laughs> oh, uh, you gotta love it. Gotta love it. Okay, now Carly, pay attention to the word that I say. This is another okay. how many question. How many verses are there in the Bible? How many verses are there? So, one thousand one hundred eighty-nine chapters. How many verses are they breaking up to? Are these real? Um, real. I mean, I thought one of the questions was going to be, I thought one of the answers was going to be Thomas Edison. Like I Googled (laughs) who invented Mm. the light bulb. I was like, Thomas Edison. I know this one. (laughs) Um, I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. That's like unfathomable to me. All right. Uh, I'm going to say 59,450. Oh, that's a... Uh, guess that's a guess, um, not necessarily a good guess. Uh, there are 31,102 verses. That's pretty cl- I mean, in the grand scheme, that's pretty close, if I do say so myself. I mean, no. that's closer what, than 20, <laughs> <laughs> there are 23,145 in the Old Testament and 7,957 in the New Testament. Okay, okay. Okay, so this one's even more specific, and the answer is not Thomas Edison, nor is it 66. Okay. Dang it. Uh, yeah. How many verses in the Bible mention the word light? Ooh. They mention the word light. Uh, 73. 73? 1,277. Well, it's somewhere in between there. <laughs> okay. And uh, I couldn't really get a fi- find a good answer on this oh. because of different translations. Some of them <laughs> say now. things differently. <laughs> but it's either 235-ish or 433-ish. So uh, it's a pretty big discrepancy. So I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what is the speed of light in miles per second? The speed of light in miles per second. Eight point eight. Eight point eight miles per second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two point three. Two point three. Well, you're so. only off by about a hundred thousand and eighty <laughs> miles per second. It's one hundred and eighty-six thousand miles per second. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Yeah. My physics teacher would be upset with me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm homeschooling this year, y'all. This is not good for my children. Hey, Lainey knew the answer to that question. Look at that. So she gets nice. mango ice cream when she comes to Dallas. Perfect. I <laughs> I, and I don't know if, if, if you can handle it, Lainey, but they can put some chili powder in there and takes it over the top if you like the spicy. So. All right. Um, so how many car accidents mm. in the state of Texas are caused by distracted drivers? And we're looking for a ratio. 144%. Yeah, 144%. <laughs> we're looking for a ratio. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Like, every, like three, ratio, every three. For every accident or every three accidents, one. one so one, one to three? Yeah, one to three. That's okay. what I meant. Okay. Carly, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... One to, I mean, distracted drivers. Mm-hmm. I would say every other one to two. Mm. One to two. Well, I would have said one of, yeah, either one of those that you said as well, but the official Texas so Department of Motor Vehicles said one to six. One oh, to six. okay. That just means one person is telling the truth and five people are lying. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas is probably one to one. I mean, maybe maybe you take the whole state into consideration. So. Okay, so so far neither of you have gotten any of these answers correct. No. Uh, this is the one that you can you will get correct. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, of pressure. So, what is the last thing that you were manipulated into purchasing? was the last thing that you didn't really want to buy, but you got hoodwinked into it. Uh, I got these cloud shoes. Cloud they're shoes. like, they're this huge of like <laughs> foam. And I ordered two pairs. So I wasn't sure what size I am and both pairs don't work and I can't return them. So I'm stuck with two pairs of shoes that are this thick. Uh Yeah. Didn't are they the ones the with like the little, like the little golf ball looking bottoms? Almost, yes. Hmm. That's that's them. Okay. Yeah. Jeremy, what about you? Uh, I went a bit a bag of Fritos uh, on the way home from my daughter's Taekwondo class, and she, you know, how could you say no to your daughter? So that's what happened. Yeah. We got a chili cheese Fritos, which you know I love them too, but that was not what we were there to buy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, chili cheese Fritos, um, for me, are nostalgically good. Mm-hmm. I do yeah, not yeah. enjoy them in present days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I went for like three or four years without having a pack, and so then I saw one at the grocery store and I bought it. Disappointing. Nothing good. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> okay, so if you get this one right... You get uh, my admiration forever. Who wrote the poem titled No Difference? Who wrote the poem titled No Difference? Oh, I was I, I was thinking I was going to give the right answer, so I'm not going to, because I think it's in the notes, right? But I was going to give a joke answer, because it's one of the only poets I know, but I also think oh, it's the right answer. So. <laughs> my childhood, but uh, yeah, so... I'll say Emily Dickinson just to throw off. Just give a little Emily Dickinson. It's not Emily. <laughs> no, it's not Emily. Carly. Do you have a guess? No. If it's not Thomas Edison, y'all, I'm all out of answers. <laughs> Pretty close. Yeah, 
I'm not sure which poems Thomas Edison wrote, but it wasn't this one. <laughs> so, uh, Jeremy, thanks for being honest, because yeah. you probably could have gotten some free ice cream out of the deal. Have, uh, <laughs> it is Shel Silverstein. Shel yeah. Silverstein. Probably one of my favorite poets. Mm. So, Okay, so here's the poem. No difference. It says, small as a peanut, big as a giant, we're all the same size when we turn off the light. Rich as a sultan, poor as a mite, we're all worth the same when we turn off the light. Red, black, or orange, yellow, or white, we all look the same when we turn off the light. So maybe the way to make everything right is for God to just reach out and turn off the light. So that is a poem from the great poet Shel Silverstein. Now, as much as it goes against every bone in my body, it really pains me to disagree with my guy Shell. Uh, he is like I could quote a few poems of his. Uh, we don't have time for now. One of them has to do with the boa constrictor. Uh, but to disagree with Shell is very hard. Uh, for me because and i disagree with him because the solution for the world's problem isn't for god to turn off the light but rather for us to live in the light right so the verse that jeremy read at the beginning um, from john 8 verse 12 says jesus spoke again to the people he said i am the light of the world Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in our modern world, it is easy uh, for people to walk away from faith in Jesus because of some of the problems highlighted by Shel Silverstein and others. Questions of injustice can easily influence people to alter their beliefs about God. So as we hear those words from Shel Silverstein, as we uh, see the world around us, people um, who probably we have known trading in their faith for some other uh, form of belief. Uh, Jeremy and Carly, what keeps you putting your trust in Jesus? Um, for me, it's remembering that Jesus was a real man and <clears throat> all his disciples were real men. Um, they experienced the same real problems that I and we experience today. So when I think of that, I think, all right, I'm going through this problem. He, Jesus can relate. Jesus is part of it. Jesus can, um, how he guided his disciples he's guiding me in the same way. So I think that's one of the biggest things for me is knowing that um, putting my trust in Jesus is staying in that lane that we've talked about multiple times before. Um, and kind of what Dodie said, walking toward the light and in the light when I can follow Jesus and knowing, like literally following him, um, like a baby ducks follow their mom um, kind of way. Um, just knowing that, 
is problems of the past or with problems of today. And if they can get through it, I can get through it. And how do they get through it? I can get through it that way. Hmm. Yeah, very good. Jeremy, what you got? Uh, it's, I, I think kind of in the same vein that Jesus knows the experiences, but I think that the same, the same uh, pessimism or the same sense of injustice, it can kind of seem that there is, is like the same fuel that can motivate me to, to want to, to do better or to know that um, the same injustices that are present are the same ones that Jesus can, can step into and love can overcome a lot of those or can speak into those situations. So like the solution to me isn't to like walk away from Jesus because the lessons that Jesus taught and the actions that Jesus took and the way that Jesus lived wasn't to do that. It was to like step towards the injustice and to step mm-hmm. towards the the pain, to step towards the suffering. And so like the solution in Jesus's time that when he walked uh, on the earth was, was what he did. So like, I, I think some of the injustices, however you perceive them are going to, to they're going to exist in this moment anyways, right? I mean, so like if I perceive an injustice, it's going to be there whether I turn towards God or away from God. It's just I hope that my my fuel of turning is not to run away from problems. It's to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because that's the answer. And there's a, there's a song by Matt Maher, one of my favorite musicians. It's called Firelight. And uh, he hit the bridge in there. It goes, if anyone remembers my name, if I'm, if I'm ever known for anything, let it be I ran into the night running with a firelight, a firelight. Um, and so like that, that's, you know, the dark is going to be there. So I can either live in the light or take the light there or just, you know, coalesce and live in the light and say I'm good, but knowing that there's injustices out there. So what good am I doing anybody? So um, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. Very well said. Uh, as I was thinking about that earlier, I um, was thinking about a song. I don't. I, I know the song because Jars of Clay covered it. I don't know that they actually wrote it though. But um, the chorus of the song says, "Jesus' blood has never failed me yet." Mm-hmm. So I think you know that's my simple simple answer is because I have tried many things and failed, um, but. Jesus has never let me down yet. So, um, all right. So as talking about light, um, as we all know, thanks to Thomas Edison, um, light illuminates, right? If you find yourself in a dark space, um, you, and you're unaware of what is surrounding you, um, the light shining into the darkness is a way to become aware of everything that is happening um, in your midst. So I don't know um, the percentage, and it's definitely going to differ from person to person, but we are all heavily influenced into certain actions and beliefs and patterns without even being aware that we are being manipulated from an outside source. Uh, And if you want to just understand how potent these outside sources of information are, just Google disinformation 2016, 2020, and see how common it is for 
other countries to put out disinformation to try and convince people to vote a certain way or to act a certain way or to uh, be divided amongst each other based on who you are voting. And it is really unnerving to see how deep, uh, how deeply we are influenced um, by outside sources without even knowing it. And it can be heinous like that, like other countries meddling in um, countries' elections. And it can be somewhat innocent, like buying cloud shoes or, uh, you know, a box of Fritos or whatever it is. But um, so many of the decisions that we make come from us being influenced by an outside source, whether that be from social media or the news media or just general advertising, um, it really is something that we need to be aware of. So uh, also in the Gospel of John, where we read about Jesus saying, I am the light, um, in John 1, verse 47, uh, it is written about Jesus. Um, It says, um, in whom there is no deceit. So there's no deceit in Jesus. Um, In 1 John Uh, chapter one, verse five, it says, um, God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. Um, so with God, Jesus, the Holy spirit, um, we know that they never employ the tactics of manipulation. God is never trying to manipulate us, never tried to manipulate anyone Instead, um, God shines like light into the darkness and invites people to follow him, but also reveals how prone we are to manipulation. And, you know, it's very culturally appropriate, I think, for us to say, oh, well, you know, that might be this person or that might be these people. I'm not easily manipulated. I know exactly what I'm doing. But this is not even really a modern problem. Um, This, of course, goes back to the very beginning. We go back to Genesis 3, one of the first stories of people in the Bible. And Adam and Eve are both manipulated um, into believing um, a, a way that moves in the complete opposite direction from God. So we are all prone to the force of manipulation. But as followers of Jesus, as the scriptures tell us, as Jesus spoke about himself, he is the light that shines into the darkness. And we don't have to walk in darkness. Our paths can be illuminated. So, Uh, Jeremy and Carly, what practices are available to us to be aware of what is good and true versus what we are being manipulated into? Mm. Uh, Well, I mean, I think we have a, a such a wealth of information right now, which is overwhelming, I think, sometimes, but also like there's so much good information out there that you can really check. Like if you feel like kind of tingly, like, oh, that doesn't seem quite right. Like it's not that hard to do a Google search 
uh, or DuckDuckGo or whatever like your Google your your search engine of choice is to to find like even just a different counterpoint because you know like I mean you could type in what does John three seventeen mean you know you could have like forty five different people understand one piece of scripture and you're like oh my gosh like what am I supposed to choose and so I think there's lots of information that you can you can get through. Um, I think you're spot on about like people believing they're above manipulation. You know, I always, when I taught music kids, I would talk about music and advertising and kids would always say like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to fall for that. But like, like man, people pay like a full college degree and get paid millions of dollars to trick you with a four second song. You know what I mean? So like, you're not, like you said, you're not above it. So then that, I think then comes community. I think that's the most important one out of all this because, um, you know, one person can manipulate a lot of people, even in the church world. Like you can have bad actors and bad people in the church world that are just kind of rogue. That is a magnetic personality that people will flock to and hang on every single word. But if you're in a good community that isn't going to take a man's word, uh, you know, like uh, the humankind's word, just as it is at face value, but you have other people hearing different voices or, or hearing it differently, that's going to be a huge advantage to being able to parse out the, the truth in the midst of all that. And I would add that diverse voices too, you know, like it's um, to, to hear how somebody like a woman read scripture is way different than I might understand it, or uh, a black person read scripture and hear scripture is way different than I would ever understand it. So community um, conversation and uh, honesty, being able to ask questions. I was blessed as a kid to have mentors that I could be like, why do we do this? Why is it like that? Like I am a why person. And so if that is allowed to happen in a safe, comfortable, non-threatening environment with good community, I think that's how you're going to be able to find out what is the truth found in scripture, you know, and through discernment. I'm, I'm, I put, instead of community, I put fellowship. So I'm right on there with you on that one. Um, the, I mean, obviously getting deep into the Bible and reading the different commentaries of the Bible. There's so many different types of commentaries. Um, and to suss through and to figure out how, why a lot of things with that manipulation does is it can cause you shame in the end. And that is not of God and that is not of Jesus and that is not of the Holy Spirit. So it's um, the Bible going deep into that and then fellowship of others, hearing um, what other in your community, in your small group, in the people that you trust, um, working through that, becoming aware of what is good and what is true and what is of Jesus. Um, and hearing that still small voice of God, when you do feel that tug, that tearing inside of you of that manipulation is where is God in this? Can I hear God in this? Because that is when the truth will come through. Um, and journaling, when you are by yourself, journal it out and you can go back in in the days and be like, okay, I worked through that or I'm working through that or I still have to work through that. Um, journaling is a good way to get out your thoughts and feelings that you don't even know that you have um, and kind of suss out the situation that way too. I, I want to add one more thing too, because fellowship is good because that's like the 
community of believers. Um, as, I, as, you, as you were saying that, Carl, I was thinking like, it is so important, I think, to hear the woes and the concerns and the frustrations of people who are not in our group, or maybe are not even Christians. You know what I mean? Like people who have deconstructed, people who have been hurt by the church, people who don't believe in God, because all of those those things that they are feeling and processing through and have issues with the church. I mean, those are all things that we could either, like it goes back to that first question. We could just turn off like the lights and say, okay, well, we got our light here. You know, we're good. Yeah. Or we can be like, well, what, like, where is God and all this? So we, I mean, I think we believe that God's everywhere, right? So it's revealing that light or, or like helping reveal the light, I suppose, um, or helping show God in that spot. But like, that's going to take hard conversations and hard work. And so like, you're going to have to be aware of that. Otherwise you're going to just be totally oblivious to anything else in, in the world. And so like, how is your faith trusted? So then how can you know what's true or not? Cause then you're just kind of in a, a bubble. You've never yeah. like had to experience non-truths uh, and all that. And so like, I think that helps, man, that helps make you, love kind of the gray spot sometimes of like what is truth and what's not because like it's not it can't just all be black and white it, it would be too easy if it was that way yeah yeah um so you know we were talking about people thinking that they're not you know easily manipulated and um you know we, we kind of have that bravado about ourselves or we think i'm 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 too smart or whatever i'm not i'm not gonna fall for tricks um, I, it always makes me think of the Saved by the Bell episode where they're learning about subliminal messages and Zach records um, all these messages into people's t- and sends these tapes out to people. And he's like, Zach is so handsome. Zach is my boyfriend or whatever. And like all of the girls in the school all of a sudden uh, start to like Zach and it you know creates a big mess for him. But, uh, you know, there is just so many so many times in which we're just bombarded by information and we don't even know it. And it's not, you know, it's not a a one side or the other kind of thing when it comes to the political spectrum, it's everywhere. You know, it's in, it's in everything. There's so much disinformation out there. It um, becomes really hard to know what is true and to know what is good and you know you get enough people to believe something and all of a sudden that becomes what's true regardless of if it is or it isn't so uh, i i think really holding to the understanding that that you know in in jesus there is no deceit that god is light and there is no darkness at all and so uh, as followers of jesus we need to be confident in rejecting anything that's sourced in deceit in anything that's sourced um, in darkness as best as we can tell. Um, so, you know, Jesus um, constantly was inviting people to follow him. He said it um, often to people, come and follow me. As we follow Jesus and trust in what Jesus, in the way of Jesus and what Jesus teaches, we began to see all the ways in which darkness influence um, how darkness and influence can manipulate us. So doing what Jesus taught is a, a way in which we become aware of um, how we are influenced by darkness. And one of the ways that the world keeps us living in, the, in its patterns is through distraction. And when we are distracted, we aren't able to see clearly what is right in front of us, right? Hence the question about 
texting and driving and, you know, being distracted while you're doing important things. So this is why at Journey, we often talk about being present. Um, Being present enables us to see what is right in front of us, to notice it. It allows us to see what is what is in our lives and if it's sourced by the kingdom of heaven or if it's sourced by the patterns of the world. But in order for us to be present, in order for us to achieve this presence, we have to learn to move at a different pace than what the world typically moves at. So if we're caught up moving from one thing to the next thing, Um, If we're doing a thing and distracted because there's another thing that we're about to be doing and we're thinking about the thing that's coming up and not the thing that we're actually doing, if we live that way, then we will never be able to be present in the moment. And unfortunately for us, this distracted state is um, a state that our culture breeds But when we look at the scriptures and we look at Jesus' life, he moved at his own pace. He never let people force him into urgency. He never frantically went about his business. He always made time to connect with God. He always moved slowly and intentionally. And the Gospels, as they tell Jesus' story, are full of moments where someone tried to move Jesus along or to have him go about something at that pace, at their pace, and he always declined them. So in thinking through that, if we believe that doing what Jesus taught is one of the ways that we learn how we're influenced by darkness, and Jesus taught not only with his actual words, but with his life, We're talking about the pace at which Jesus lived. How do we learn to pace our lives at Jesus's pace rather than the pace of deadlines and instant satisfaction, which surround us? Um, I think this, this one kind of go went back to the first question for me and of remembering that Jesus was a real man that everything that you said, he moved at his own pace. He didn't let people force him. Um, it's hard It's hard to live that way until you realize that you've been caught up in it, that you've been caught up hurrying, that you've been caught up rushing. Um, and then to take that step back and learn again how to take it slow. And I think a lot of that has to do with who do you surround yourself with? Like, do you have news going on all the time in your in your head or in your house? Do you have constant um, noise, constant people? If you surround yourself with, and it just can't, it's not that easy, I know that. But in a peaceful situation, then you will learn to stay in your lane a little bit better just as Jesus did. Um, and don't overlook the parts where Jesus did go rest, when he did go and pray, when he did go find peace. That's real. That's real life. That's real application that we can use 
to pace ourselves as Jesus did. Um, and if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. So it is finding those nuggets in the Bible of how exactly did Jesus do it? Because it's easy to say, oh yeah, go rest like Jesus. Okay, but how did he do it? What did he do? Who did he take with him? Did he trust anyone to take with him to go and rest? So finding that pace is just figuring out how Jesus did it and how can you apply it to your life? Make sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have two practical tips, uh, quite honestly. is One is, uh, for me personally, is be medicated. <laughs> uh, I mean, ADHD is like, it's like, I can't, like I used to want to do that all the time, but like I just, it's not physically possible. So in all practicality, being medicated helps a ton. And um, I, you know, I can remember being able to slow down when uh, I think if Barb is still on here, she, she's important in this journey for me because uh, the first time I ever took medicine was on a Sunday morning and I was able to talk to Barb and not be distracted for mm. like, you know, more than a minute in the church lobby at Hope. So like that's it. That is like a, a physical thing I needed to do for myself. And then second is uh, I have to schedule things in the week that are routine. Uh, one, it helps like just be stable in like what is happening. But also like I know that there's like an event that I have to be at or a thing that I have to do on a certain day of the week. So like I'm going to have to slow down anyways. Like so that's built it's like a built-in speed bump. You know, so it's like prayer Wednesdays, uh, journey online, Sunday mornings, um, and then uh, like Thursday mornings I rest. You know, it's like those are built in so I can put that into my routine to slow down. So I know like when other things are getting crazy, um, I have that to look forward to. But then it's also a good check of like, man, I really rushed into this thing that I have scheduled. Why is that? Why well, didn't slow down? And then like a more honest answer is just when I look at people and I try to slow down, first I try to look at the trees and the landscape. I just like to see that like, especially Dallas, we're pretty blessed as much cement as there is here. There's a ton of trees, or at least Garland there is, you know, Tree City USA or something like that. So I look at the trees because like it forces me to pick my head up and then that forces me to look at people. And then when I look at people individually, I see that like, oh, God made that person, no matter who I'm talking to. And then I can slow down. It puts me right back in that moment instead of like rushing around to, to different spots and stuff. And um, that's, a, that's, I started implementing that in college because I used to take some classes in the summertime and walking around on campus in Northwest Ohio during the summer is beautiful. There's all the landscaping's done. The kids aren't cutting across lawns. There's green, there's flowers. And like seeing how beautiful that was made me appreciate that when there was like 20,000 kids on campus, I could still see that because I had developed that practice um, in the downtime. So um, that's what I do. That's good. Yeah, yeah good stuff. I um, liked what you were talking about there with uh, ADHD and, you know, part of it, like what we were talking about, admitting that we're all easily manipulated, right? Like sometimes we just have to know ourselves. We have to know what makes us tick. We have to know what keeps us from doing certain things. And sometimes, those are things that we can discipline ourselves out of, but there are times where we've got to seek help, um, whether that be through, you know, play therapy or some sort of therapy or through medication, whatever that looks like. And oftentimes those things can come with a bit of, uh, you know, social shame or whatever. And thankfully that's getting different, but, 
becoming different, but you know, those are all things that we can do. We need to be aware of um, our situations and uh, take advantage of the help that we have, whatever that help looks like. Uh, Bill said we can only do that by trusting Jesus. I love that. Um, you know, something else that Bill says, uh, Bill's a very wise guy, but he, when we're talking about like things like medication, um, he always says things like, um, you know, well, you know, God invented the scientist that made the medicine or God invented the, you know, or God created the, the person who invented the robot that does the surgery or whatever. And so it's like, you know, at all points, like it, it points back to God. I think that's a, a beautiful perspective, um, for us to remember, um, so that we can, we can not be ashamed by those things and take advantage of them. All right. Well, I think we are wrapping up the conversation. I hope that for all of us, there um, was something said that might inspire us to trust God more. Um, that's what we said was the goal at the beginning of our gathering. And so with that in mind, we'll uh, turn to back over to Jeremy and head into communion.